Open to Matthew chapter 28. I don't know why I call it a urinal. Apparently, those two words mix in my mind. I don't know how I got that one wrong. A yardstick. Thanks. Is it a yardstick or a meter stick? Is it a meter stick? Did you guys know about this this month, October? Did you know that in this month there's five Fridays, five Saturdays, and five Sundays? This happens, and this happens once every 823 years. For real. Isn't that amazing? Five. So this Friday is the first. Wait, the second? Gosh, the second of the five. I think that's amazing. Five Fridays, not four, five, just in case you wonder. All right, you there? Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 19. No, let's start back in verse 16. This is the end. I think she's already blessed, man. Matthew chapter 28, this is the end of uh, the gospel according to Matthew. Matthew was a follower of Jesus. How many love Jesus? Matthew was a tax collector. He was a guy during Jesus' day who followed, he didn't follow nobody. He took people's money. He stood behind a toll booth and took money from people. And and, uh, one day Jesus came to him and took him aside and called Matthew to follow him, and Matthew did. And so Matthew was somebody who lived with Jesus, walked with him, talked with him, ate with him, even touched him. And uh, we have uh, his account of the life of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing. And so at the end of Matthew's account, we have after Jesus died, after he was buried, after he rose again, he appears to his disciples um, and he gives them his final commands before he goes up into heaven. Sound good? You know, many of us have have heard teachings for a long time. Um, many of us grew up in a Christian home. Uh, many of us have heard, some of us, hundreds of teachings probably. That may be an exaggeration. Hundreds is a lot. But many of us have heard lots and lots and lots of teachings. So when somebody pulls up the Bible, like, oh, cool, yep, I know. Have one on my shelf. But do you have any idea where this book came from and how it was inspired by God and how many people bled and died for us to hold this in our hands so we could could read and meditate on the inspired Word of God? That's amazing. And even if you're a young person, it doesn't, this, this scripture is not limited or only apportioned and given to older people. This is given to all people of all generations, all nations, every language. God gave it as inspired for us to read. So when you read the Bible and we read this tonight, don't think to yourself, well, it's just it's another, it's another scripture, it's another verse, it's another statement. But see it as the words of God. And when we see it from that, it helps us in our reception of it. It helps us in our viewpoint of it. It helps us to receive it easier. And it excites us. It encourages us. It edifies us. 
when our perspective is right. This is not just a good history book. This is God's inspired word. Amen? This is what he says. Matthew is writing under the inspiration, meaning um, the Holy Spirit moved on and inside of this man, Matthew, and he began to write. It says, then the 11 disciples. Why was there 11? I thought there was 12. Because one of them hung himself and killed himself because he betrayed Jesus and had so much guilt that he felt bad, so he did that. So there's 11 of them. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee. Are you out of fight tonight? Oh my gosh, that's horrible. To the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Like, wait, are you serious? Like, this guy actually rose again? Wow. I don't know how they doubted, but he was right there. But they did doubt, as some of us doubt today. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, or know, that I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Go ahead and open or flip over now, fast forward to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. Where's your Bible at, Charity? Okay. Just checking. It's okay if you don't have one. Kind of. 1 Timothy chapter 1. So, hey, tonight we're starting a series. Man, it's really quiet in here. Last night I taught at the Bible Doctrine class, and it was really fun. And in a Bible doctrine class, it's a teaching, so uh, people expect us to be quiet, and I don't like that. It's weird when everybody just sits there and looks at you, and you try and make a joke, and they just look at you. I'm like, and I'm like, I know that was kind of funny. Like, you have to give me like a smirk or something, but they, they got their journals out, they got their pen out, and they're like taking serious hardcore notes, you know. And uh, <laughs> don't do that tonight. I'm not, I'm not going to like try and be your your teacher, and instruct you tonight. Uh, I really want to enjoy time tonight. So just if you just feel like it, just make noise. This needs to be more interaction. First, First Timothy 1, like I said, we're starting a, a series tonight called The Legit Disciple. The Legit Disciple. I don't know how long this series will go on, but we're going to be looking at the life and ministry of Timothy. Timothy... Timothy. We'll be reading about him throughout all of the letters, all the epistles that Paul wrote and other ones even that mention Timothy, especially the book of Acts. We'll be looking at the person Timothy. You're like, I don't know who Timothy is. Well, then sweet. You should come next week and we'll talk about who Timothy is. We're not going to talk about him this week, but if you're like, well, I don't even know who Paul is. Well, cool. Then come next week and we'll talk about Paul too. We'll be doing, I'll be teaching a lot more in the weeks to come talking about the life of Paul and Timothy and the history and all that good stuff. So you're like, man, I want to learn some of that stuff. Cool, come, come. But tonight, we're kind of laying a foundation for that series, and tonight we're talking about all are called to be disciples. All are called to be disciples. Let's look at first, uh, 1 Timothy 1, verse 1 and verse 2. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God our Savior and the Lord Jesus Christ our hope, to Timothy, a true son of the faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. Verse 2, it says, to Timothy, a true son or a legitimate 
son. Or you could say a legit disciple in the faith. And we'll be looking at that for the next months, next few months. And what it means to be a legit disciple. Amen? Let's pray. God, tonight we're so thankful for your word. God, help us to always appreciate it. God, I'm asking that you, by your spirit, would inspire me, God, to encourage your people. God, I thank you that you're here in this place. God, I'm asking that you would cause us all to be filled with and by your spirit, God, that we'd be encouraged and strengthened in our hearts and our souls. God, that our minds would be renewed. And God, that your kingdom would advance. Lord, we love you tonight. We ask you to help us, Lord. Take your word and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was in first grade, my first grade teacher was Mrs. Lord. And so every time, it's so funny, every time I hear the word Lord, I always think of Mrs. Lord. And it was really funny because when I grew up, well, sorry, when I was in first grade and my whole year of first grade, every time I would see her, I thought she was like this religious person because her name was Mrs. Lord. So I'd always, so every time I heard about Christians or like church or anything like that, I always would relate that and them to Mrs. Lord. And uh, Mrs. Lord was, uh, do you guys remember your first grade teacher? Anybody? Throw out a name. Come, no, no, don't throw out a name. It has to be a weird name. Like, Mrs. Mine? That's weird. Mr. Who? Exactly. I don't know how to repeat that. Micah. <laughs> it's weird that you said that. I don't think that's weird. Well, my second grade teacher, isn't it weird we remember all of our teachers, like all the way up until, like I went to school like so many years ago. Uh, my second grade teacher is Mrs. Stevens. But my third grade teacher, oh, because <laughs> Because, like, you know when you go from, like, third to fourth grade, it's like, you just, I don't know, at my school, like, there was a separation. Is that the same with everybody? I don't know if that was just in Willow, because in Willow, we just did things differently. <laughs> but, in, but like, third grade, it was like, okay, cool, like, we're third graders now, we're almost a fourth grade. It's kind of like going from jun- a junior to a senior, or, or, like, eighth grade to ninth grade, you know, or sixth grade to seventh grade, that third grade year. But I remember that third grade year, I hated the entire year because of Mrs. Horton. <laughs> I, we, we could just, I, all I have to do is say her name and you get it. Like, you're just like, oh, I get it. Totally. I had her, you know. Mrs. Horton was the little lady. And I'm not, a, listen, I'm not, I know I may exaggerate sometimes, but she was about, she was about, well, about the size of this yardstick here okay no she was like this she was this tall she's a little lady and um she she acted as if she was seven foot four like she was the like the the tallest biggest lady ever but she was just a short little lady and she would walk around with a ruler and she would always be commanding people like this was like her her strong stick like this is how she got things done was carrying around this ruler and, and I remember in third grade, I was so much taller than her, and, and, and I, she, would, she would talk to me, and I couldn't help but to laugh because she'd always be waving her ruler around. And so the whole year, we just, we never got along. We weren't very good friends at all. Uh, I don't like Mrs. Horton. 
I saw her recently, and uh, I forgave her. I did. She didn't forgive me. <laughs> she one time yelled at me, screamed at me. I didn't do anything wrong. Just kidding. That's what we all say, right? I didn't do anything. She yelled at me and screamed at me. This was not recently. Sorry, this was when I was in third grade. And she started crying, and she ran out of the room. <laughs> and the worst part was that I was laughing when it happened. And, but I'm saved now, so I'm never going to be the same. And No, I don't not like Mrs. Horton. But as I was thinking about this, this message and being a disciple and talking about mentoring and being mentored, the uh, first person that came to my mind was Mrs. Horton. Because usually the first person that comes to our mind or the first type of person that comes to our mind when we talk about discipleship is Mrs. Horton. Or it's a, a ruler. You know, at, uh, what's, what's the school over here, uh, elementary school? No, O'Malley. O'Malley? Huh? It's called something with O'Malley. Is there an O'Malley school around here? O'Malley Elementary. Thank you. Gosh. Because I went to, I went, when I was, I first lived in Anchorage, and I actually went to O'Malley Elementary. And uh, you, you went there? Yes. And uh, yes, we're going to have like a class reunion after this, even though we didn't go to school together. Anyway. And their second grade teacher was Mr. Knuckles. <laughs> what are these teachers' names? Like, what the heck? Who comes up with like, I have a weird name. I'm going to be a teacher. You know, like. That's seriously like their mindset. I'm just kidding. That's horrible. I don't have like the coolest name either. Last name. Okay. And uh, literally, the dude walked around with a ruler as well. And, and whenever somebody did something wrong, he would say, put your hands on the table. And he would, oh. And one time, it broke. One time, it broke. And he got in trouble because some teacher thought he was going to try and stab him. I'm surprised that actually happened. I didn't mean to do that, but it did break. And he, I think he ended up, after we left that school, uh, I never actually had him. My brothers had him, yeah. And my older brothers had him. And uh, that's, what they, that's what he would do. And that's, Christian, correct me if I'm wrong, that's kind of how they did it back in the day when you were Mr. Watson. <laughs> I think it's so funny. And so I never had that privilege of getting my hands uh, hit, even though Mrs. Horton tried to, running around me, chasing me around the classroom one time. Um, I can't believe I broke this thing. But whenever we talk about mentoring or being discipled, one of the first things that comes to our mind is Mrs. Horton or the ruler, the instructor. Do you see what I'm saying? The, the, the person who is always lording their authority over us. And so when we hear the, the term like, who's your mentor? It's like, Whatever. Jesus is my mentor, or my mom. Like my mom's my only mentor. That's good. Your, your mom and dad should be your mentors. But one of the first things we do is we identify a mentor automatically with somebody who's going to make me do a bunch of things and an instructor or a teacher or a ruler that is over me. Whereas God gives a definition of a disciple, sorry, somebody who disciples people, somebody who mentors somebody. He gives it indirectly in his scriptures, more like a coffee cup. 
How many like Kaladi Brothers? I thought you'd appreciate this. You're wondering, how is that? How is God? What? When I think about discipleship and when I think about mentoring, I think more in the context of a coffee cup than I do of a ruler. Because biblical discipleship is living life with each other. It's sitting down at coffee with each other. And it's sharing your hearts and your lives with each other. That's biblical discipleship. And so maybe in your life you've had times where people have not done that right. Maybe you've had Mrs. Horton. Or maybe you've had Mr. Knuckles in your life. And they called themselves Christians, but they never built a relationship with you. They just kind of instructed you and just taught you to just do things. And I'm not saying that as a, a, the biblical discipleship and mentoring that there is no discipleship in teaching. There is, actually. But it's through a foundation of relationships. I never built a relationship with Mrs. Horton. <laughs> it's horrible. Maybe I should have built no relationship, but I never did. And I never built relationship with Mr. Knuckles. But I have had people in my life who have mentored me, who I've had, I've had genuine, real relationships with. Most of my counseling and mentoring times were sitting at a dinner table, sitting at a coffee table, driving down the road, not sitting in a lecture waiting for the pastor or the leader to instruct me on what is right and what is wrong. And so as we approach this and as we approach this whole series, I want to lay that foundation of what a mentor is. And I want to do two things in this whole series. One, I want to, I want to encourage all of us that we are all called to be discipled. There's not one that is excluded, but all are called. And two, I want to help lead and train and encourage all of you, and especially all of our leaders, to be this type of mentor and disciple, discipler, and not this one. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because there's too many of these. And it's not that they're trying to be, it's that they don't know how to build real relationships with people. So give them a break. I think our generation, our, our age group, is actually pretty blessed. Um, just mentioning people like Justin Ross, who some of us know, or Josh Tanner, our senior pastor, or Mike McSwain. Um, people like that who have uh, cared for us. There's, there's many other examples. Chris Raywalt is a great example. The Andersons. Uh, are a great example of parents who, 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 the Meesners, who have gone before us and actually know how to care and biblically shepherd and care for people. But their generation didn't really have a lot of that. They had more of this type of stuff. Is that right? Would you say that's right? Okay, somebody said that's right. And I've talked to actually many people in that generation about that. And I'm very privileged that I don't have some like fear of mentors and shepherds in my life because I've had a real biblical example of that through somebody named Janice Ridgway and uh, Casey and Stu Millar and Josh Tanner and Justin Ross and Mike McSwain, people who have loved me and cared for me and taught me what relationship and friendship is and who have taught me what real mentoring and discipleship really is. So as we approach this topic, I challenge you, don't think of the ruler. Think of, think of the coffee cup. You hear what I'm saying? Think of the coffee cup. Think of Kaladis. Go to a sweet place. 
go to the sweet place called Claudius. You know, it's so funny. I'm almost hypocritically teaching and preaching because I don't go to Claudius anymore. And uh, <laughs> you just saw some of the faces. That was funny. Uh, I actually am falling in love with Starbucks. And uh, <laughs> traitor, you're there. No, I'm kidding. I I just I don't go to Claudia's anymore because I I, I meet uh, all week long with with uh, most of our leaders. All of our leaders I meet at some time during the month or months, and uh, and I can't meet at Claudia's without seeing all of you. And it's not that I don't want to see you. It's that I really need to spend time with. Uh, the people I'm meeting with. You know what I'm saying? Because so many times we'll be in a meeting and like 600 people interrupt you. So now that I just said that, don't go to Starbucks and interrupt our meetings. <laughs> I would love to meet with you if you want to meet or you can meet with them or something like that. But um, if you're like, wait, why doesn't he go to... I do still drink. I'll, do, I'll go through the drive-thru. So you could see us go through the drive-thru with other people and we do get clotted because it does taste 100 million times better. Okay. We ready? I don't want to talk too much longer. I do want to, uh, um, I do want to teach here for a minute about what a disciple is. Does that sound good? Yeah. That sound good? So hey, as we were talking about this, those of you, oh, I just cut myself. My goodness. Those of you who are thinking of the ruler, think of this. Think of the coffee cup. And in the coffee cup is a little ruler where you'll get instruction and you'll be taught. And we'll define what that really looks like. There's a little ruler in the coffee cup? What does that even mean? What does he say? Matthew 28, 19 through 20. The Bible mentions right here the word disciple. How many like math? Well, the word math, I can't stand it, but I'm amazing at it. (laughs) I'm actually really bad. I'm actually really good at geometry, but I found out that everybody's pretty much good at geometry. Because it's about, no, I th- everybody that I've met was like, oh gosh. Well, I felt like everybody in my class was, maybe the teacher just gave us good grades because she just didn't want to see us the following year. I don't know, but we all got, I got, a, I got 100% four quarters in a row. I, you know what? Thank you. I actually got a better grade in that than I did in my weight training classes or my PE classes. But I'm not normally the best at, at math. Uh, but math is actually, um, is where we find, it, sorry, it's a derivative. Disciple is a derivative from math. Isn't that crazy? The word disciple literally means a mathematician. No, I'm just kidding. The word disciple literally means a learner or a follower of a teacher. A follower of a teacher. And it actually comes from the Greek Word, math, indicating thought accompanied by endeavor. The word is methetis. Methetis is the word disciple, like Matthew. So he's a math magician. What's a math magician? Okay. The word disciple literally means one who follows one's teachings. So when the Bible speaks of disciples, which it does many times, it speaks of John's disciples. It speaks John the Baptist. It speaks of the Pharisees' disciples. It speaks of Jesus' disciples. And in their culture, disciple was very prevalent because everybody in some case was being discipled by somebody. 
especially those who were pursuing to be a rabbi or a teacher. They would follow or become a disciple of a rabbi or a teacher in those days. And so many times the Bible mentions the word disciple, but in our common language, that simply means somebody who follows the teachings of somebody or lives life with them and, and follows everything they do, their life, their teaching, their attitude. They do everything they do. That was the literal meaning for a disciple. They would literally go to the person and say, okay, here I am. Everything you do, I'm going to do, and I'm going to follow you. Everywhere you go, I'm going to go. That's my new life as a disciple. And so when Jesus makes disciples, that's why when he says, come and follow me, they left everything, and they went and followed him because he said, come and be my disciple. Come follow my teaching, my life, my attitude. Come follow me. But also, we find here Jesus telling the disciples to make disciples. Not just being a disciple of Jesus, but Jesus tells his disciples to make disciples of themselves. I give you a definition if you want to take notes, if you want to write this down, if you want to take a mental note. I kind of created my own definition. A disciple in biblical terms could be summed up like this. One who devotes themselves to a Christian of godly character in their manner of life and teachings as long as it agrees with the Bible. Let me say that again. One who devotes themselves to a Christian of godly character in their manner of life and teachings as long as it agrees with the Bible. One who devotes themselves or one who follows somebody, follows a Christian, of noble, godly character, follows their manner of life, follows their teaching as long as it agrees with the Bible. Does that make sense? So when we're talking about this idea of being a disciple and being discipled by somebody, that's what I'm asking you to do, to follow somebody, to devote yourself to somebody. I'm not saying that they become your God or they become your Lord. I'm saying that you simply look to them as a means of shepherding, counseling, encouraging, teaching, that they would even help you understand better doctrine and understand what is right in God's Word and, and what we can learn from God's Word and how I should live and how I shouldn't live and how my attitude should be and if I have tough things that I'm struggling with. Now, the problem about this is years past, like probably your parents' age, there was some bad teachings about this, that they would actually... They would actually take everything in your life, mentors, and they would tell you what you need to do. And if you didn't do it, then you weren't a real disciple. That's not real discipleship. Real discipleship is this, once again, and it's sitting down with somebody, and it's helping them follow Jesus. The best mentor and the best discipler is somebody who helps people follow Jesus. The best leader, the best mentor is somebody who does everything they can to lead them and to point them to Jesus. To do everything you can to point them and to lead them to an intimate relationship with God, the Holy Spirit. That's real mentoring. So it's not, it's not a controlling, structured, like, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. And if you don't do this, you're not my disciple. It's, it's more of a, here's my encouragement for you. This is wisdom for you. Because I know you, because you know me, because I love you. This is what I think you should do. Now, I think you should pray about this and seek multiple counsel, but this is my advice for you. Does that, sound, does that make sense? 
Now, if you have somebody who's always doing this with you, they're not really a biblical shepherd. And you shouldn't be mentored by them. But you should run from them. If it's your mom and your dad, love them and receive the instruction because it'll help you become more godly. Amen? Obviously, some of you are like, Gabriel, I'm a disciple of the word. Well, good. And actually, we'll be talking about that. A legitimate disciple is a disciple of the word. Well, yeah, and I'm a disciple of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he's my discipler. Like, he's my mentor. Like, I don't have a head anymore. God is my head. (laughs) Well, that's weird. (laughs) You have a head, you know. You have hair on it, too. No. I understand what you're saying. Obviously, God is our head, our covering, our leader, our Lord, our master, our shepherd. Of course, we understand that. God is ultimately our head. And that the word of God should be your main mentor and discipler. Like I said, that the person that you're pursuing for counseling, discipleship, must be somebody who abides by and lives by this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, imitate me or follow me or do what I do as I do what Christ does, as I imitate Christ. And so you don't want to follow someone who's not wholeheartedly pursuing after Jesus. Don't do that. Don't do that. You hear what I'm saying? Don't follow someone who's not living wholeheartedly after Jesus and his teachings. Don't do that. You're being a fool if you did that. But you should follow somebody who is worthy of being followed after. You should be mentored by somebody who is worthy of being, who, who is worthy of mentoring you or w- mentoring somebody. Yes, God is your covering, and yes, ultimately by His Word and by your Spirit, by His Spirit, He will disciple you and mentor you, and He should be your ultimate covering. But we have to, we have to, we have to know there's a balance because. Jesus commands a person-to-person discipleship, as we see here. Go, therefore, to his disciples, to his 11 disciples. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples. He tells us doing it by baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. A true discipler is somebody who does teach you everything that Christ taught us in the Word. Not their own opinions, not their own feelings, not their own inclinations, not some philosophy they learned at UAA, or their own school that they did across the world, but the teachings of the Word of God. That's who we want to be mentored by. That's who we want teaching us. Okay? That's who we want teaching us. Now, there's a balance. There's a pendulum here. There's two sides of this pendulum. On the one side, you have God is my God and God alone. And I have nobody else that will mentor me. And I won't go to anybody else to mentor me because I don't need anybody else to mentor me. Because all I've seen is this. And God is not like this. And I'm going to stick with God. And the other side is, I'm only following man. Man is my God. Because I found this person to be really amazing. And I don't really need to read my Bible or pray or read, the, or, or, or read his scriptures or listen to the Holy Spirit. or I just need to do whatever I want to do. As long as my mentor agrees with it. And I would say both are wrong. Yes, God is your master and your leader. But if he really was your master and leader, then by nature, 
you should be being mentored by a human being who is of godly character and is following Jesus. Because we see here Jesus giving the great commission and saying to us, to all of his disciples, go and make disciples. Therefore, he's teaching a philosophy of person-to-person discipleship. This is a biblical example from Genesis to Revelation. We see it through all the New Testament of a biblical discipleship that is person-to-person relationship. I am encouraging so much that you would follow the Holy Spirit, but follow him in this because this is the leading of the Holy Spirit for you to be mentored and discipled by somebody. Right? I'm I'm just trying to pull simple logic from the Scripture. Jesus teaches a person-to-person discipleship. We find in Acts chapter 2, verse 40. Let me run there real quick. Acts chapter 2, verse 40, after about uh, 3,000 people got saved. Wow, it's a lot. Uh, they asked, what should we do? And they, they said in verse 42, they continued steadfastly. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking bread, and prayers. So there we go. It began right there. The apostles began and started their first disciples. And you are here today because people were discipled. I'm here today because I've been discipled, of course, by Jesus, of course, by God, the Father, and of course, by his Holy Spirit. But I have had many people in my life who have mentored me and shepherded me and counseled me and challenged me and corrected me and listened to me and became my friend, instructed me, rebuked me, cried with me. Listen, this is God's plan for you. You can't run from it. We all need this. We need people in our lives who are not only our friend, but we need people in our life who are over us that we go to for wisdom, for counsel. Sometimes they're younger than you. Sometimes they're your age. Most of the time, they're older than you. But don't be proud. And don't think you don't need anybody because you will find in your life God has established relation-to-relation discipleship. You'll find that if you don't naturally pursue it because you'll come to a place in your life where you'll realize, wow, I'm really proud. (laughs) and I don't really listen to anybody. People don't really listen to me. You know, this is the truth. If you... Like, like everything I just said wasn't the truth. This is the truth now. If you are not being mentored and discipled, I don't believe that God's favor and blessing is on you mentoring, discipling somebody else. Because that doesn't make any sense. If you are not in some way, somehow, humbling yourself to somebody who follows and loves Jesus, then you can't live out this great commission to go into all the world and make disciples. And that's what you're called to, to go into all the world, to go into your family, to go into your city, to go into your school, to go into your workplace, and show people who Jesus is by your life and by your teaching. 
but we must first all be disciples. There's many of you in here who, the truth is, want to be discipled so bad, but you don't know how to say it. You don't really know how to communicate it. What you really want more than anything is you want this because you're made for this. You were made for Colossians. You were made. Don't quote me on that. You were made to be mentored and discipled and to have a relationship. You were made to have a peer relationship, and you were made to have relationships with people who are under you. You may have heard that before about your Pauls, your Timothys, and your Barnabases. Pauls that are over you, your Timothys that are below you, and your Barnabases that are your peers. We were made to have that type of relationship, but for these next few months, we'll be specifically talking about our Pauls in our life and being a Timothy and being a legitimate disciple of Jesus. That sound good? 